On this week's NFL Rundown, we go to the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field in Green Bay, Wisconsin, as the Los Angeles Super Chargers take on the Green Bay Packers. They were not looking so super this week, boom, as Justin Herbert tries to will the Chargers to a victory. Dicker the kicker connects on all of his kicks, but Jordan Love says not so fast, Herbert. And the Packers roll out 23, 20. In the bank, the Buccaneers come to town to face Brock Purdy and the 49ers. It was a perfect day for this kid who is pretty good at football, tossing three touchdowns to three different receivers for a perfect passer rating on the day. This game propels the 49ers to 7-3, who are top alone in the NFC West. And Baker Mayfield may need to head back to the kitchen and add a secret ingredient to those muffins, boom, as it drops the Buccaneers to 4-6. 49ers, 27. Buccaneers, 14. We go down to Houston, Texas, as the Texans take on the Arizona Cardinals. Houston, we do not have a problem, as C.J. Stroud continues his dominant run, throwing for 336 yards. Meanwhile, Kyler Murray, too focused on PlayStation 5, and he falls to the Houston, Texas. 21, 16. In the Mile High City, the astronaut Josh Dobbs fell back to earth as he and the Vikings were suffering from altitude sickness as the Denver Broncos defense come up with three turnovers. But it was Cortland Sutton who got the all-clear for launch as he leaped for the final score of the game with a minute remaining to propel the Denver Broncos to their fourth straight victory. Broncos, 21. Vikings, 20. In the land of fame excess and fake Hollywood stars, the Los Angeles Rams face the Seattle Geno Smiths in a battle for the NFC West. Geno Smith gets punched in the face again by Matthew Stafford as the Rams and Stanley Kroenke escape with a win. 17, 16. And on Monday Night Football, we have a rematch that is nine months in the making boom from the last year's Super Bowl teams as the Eagles take on the Kansas City Chiefs. As of me speaking right now, it is the Chiefs 17, Eagles 14. On today's episode of Out of Office Bros, we've got a Broncos dub. We've got the Colorado Buffaloes collapse and news and notes around the leagues. This is Out of Office Bros. Let's hit it. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of Out of Office Bros. It is your boy, D-Train, along with my co-host, Mr. Scotty L. How are we doing today, pal? Well, D-Train, Broncos are kind of rolling right now. I can't really be bad. Yeah, I mean, especially when it's a Sunday night game, you kind of just wake up Monday morning still with a little bit of a smile on your face. You didn't have to watch some dog shit Sunday night game after your Broncos get a victory or on or a Monday last week, like that was super stressful. And so was this one, but if you just wake up on Monday morning, ready to tackle your week, it's already a short week because it is uh, Thanksgiving. Um, and, but a big old smile on my face, jumping around my, my living room yesterday after that Broncos dub, it just, it felt good. Felt feel elated. It is the first four game win streak that the Broncos have had since 2016. God, that, It hurts to say, but it feels great right now. And like you said, we're going into a short week. We got Thanksgiving, one of my personal favorite holidays, grossly underrated. For those of you that have already put up a Christmas tree, uh, settle down. Or (laughs) in in Shalom Sharp's case, menorah, settle down. We still got Thanksgiving. That is the most American of American holidays. And I will even put it up against the fourth. All you do, you sit around, you eat a lot of food, you drink, and you watch football. And you say, there's nothing more American. Yeah. 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 But there's nothing more American (laughs) than the first three things. Fourth thing. We, we kind of forget that every now and then, but the first three, man, that's so American. It's a great week. It is a great week. Yeah. 
Hundred percent, man. Well, let's dive into this uh, this Broncos game that we had on Sunday Night Football, where we did come up victorious, twenty-one to twenty against the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I, I called this one a little bit, where I, I felt that Josh Dobbs was going to come back down to earth a little bit, and and he did. Um, there, he still made a couple of spectacular plays out there. Don't get me wrong, but um, our defense is just flying around right now. Um, forcing those three turnovers that ultimately kept us in this ball game, and that and that's what we're doing. We're playing sound defense. We're controlling the clock, and um, I mean, we didn't get a we didn't get a touchdown all game until it until it mattered. Uh, and when it did, oh boy, that last drive was phenomenal. Um, when Russ connected with Cortland Sutton on a 15 yard touchdown pass with a minute and three seconds left in the game, I felt good going ahead by that one point. No, just, I knew the defense was going to be able to stop this. The, the only thing that I thought could have happened is that, uh, you know, a costly penalty may have put them into field goal range, mm-hmm. but that was the only thing that could have happened. Yeah. I mean, VJ has inspired confidence in this group. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I wouldn't sit here and say that outside of, you know, PS2, we really have any tremendous ball players. Justin Simmons is still a, a very good safety, or Justin Simmons, I apologize, is still a very good safety. But you, you look across this defense, and it's really just a bunch of guys that are it, it fits the scheme fits them. It fits their strengths. And that's a credit to VJ. Um, you know, we were we were kind of calling for his head earlier this season, rightfully so after that Dolphins game, but man, has he turned it around or what? I mean, we, since that uh, Miami Dolphins game, we are averaging 17 points per game. Well, actually, it's 17 points per game since week seven. Um, and since that, we are the tied for the lowest with the Pittsburgh Steelers in the league. I'll take it. Yeah. I will take that 10 times over. I mean, it's it's an absolutely it's such a stark contrast to where we were at the beginning of the season uh, going weeks one through six, where we were at the NFL worst allowing 33.3 points per game. Yeah. I mean, and we've talked about the 70 points, obviously like that definitely raises that statistic up, but um, yeah, the 68 points we've allowed since then, um, (laughs) like that's two fewer than we surrendered in the first six weeks. And, and look at the opponents too. I mean, we're talking the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills, um, the Green Bay Packers, who aren't terrible. They're not great. And then the Minnesota Vikings, who they they have a good offensive scheme and they they can put points on the board even with, you know, someone coming in basically <laughs> cold for to their facility. That that's not the weakest part of your schedule there. That that's a pretty heavy part of the schedule, and one that you and I at the start of the year we were chalking up okay, can we get out of there with, you know, one, maybe two wins? That's a, that's a success. And now we're, we're talking, we got through that meaty part of our schedule at 4-0 and we have some more winnable ball games coming yeah. down. I mean, if we don't let those two at the beginning of the year get away from us and the Raiders and the commanders, I mean, we're talking about a seven and three football team right now. Um, again, we lost those first two games by a combined three points. We did. We were in it. Hurts. It hurts. They they're they're and they're gonna hurt down the stretch here, especially when you're looking at this playoff picture. We have <laughs> we had been written off completely, but now on all the maps we're on those little things where it says in the hunt, the Denver Broncos are in there at five and five. With a negative point differential, granted a lot of that's from the Dolphins game. Right. But right now we're at two hundred and seventeen points for, two hundred and sixty-eight points against on the season. Seventy of those you gotta just chalk up as a weird week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos, but we're, we're in the playoff week. hunt. Historic week. <laughs> yeah, but we're in the playoff hunt, and, uh, you know, I'd be curious, what week was it that we cut Randy Gregory, that we got rid of him? Uh, that was week six, I think. Huh. Coincidence? I think not. Yeah, no, it's, so, it's interesting. You know, credit Sean Payton. He made the uh, he absolutely made the right call on removing Randy Gregory from this locker room. I think that that was a move that needed to happen, and we're seeing why. When a team has that belief and that we're going to go out and get it kind of mentality, it, it goes a long way. 
even when yeah. you may not have the best roster, which we, we still have holes on this roster. We're not going to sit here and sunshine pump all day, but it, it shows that it's firm belief in what you're doing and everyone pulling that rope the same direction is so incredibly impactful. And the Broncos are winning ugly, which is how this team has to win because they're not going to blow anyone out of the water. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, they're just not. They don't have the playmakers on defense to do it. They don't have the playmakers on offense to do it. But they win. They don't ask how, they ask how many. And what matters right now is we are second in our division. We are firmly in the hunt for the playoffs. And we're riding a four-game winning streak, which is something I don't think either of us would have said a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Yeah. The only thing, the only, the thing that has me pretty nervous, like looking at this is, is that we, our offense for, for pretty much 59 minutes of this game of this game was pretty anemic and we ended up, you know, putting it all together in the final drive of the game, which at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Like we, you and I have both talked about this on the pod before where it's like, we're grasping at straws here, trying to find things to um, like to nitpick, uh, even though the team won the game, but we've got to, we've got to be better moving forward in the season. This offense has to evolve the way that the defense has evolved uh, as this season mm-hmm. progresses. If we're going to make more noise as, as it continues to go on, we do, uh, we are playing host to the Cleveland Browns um, who are coming in at seven and three, but they're um, going to be without their, their starting quarterback in Deshaun Watson, who's out for the season. And they just won a very, very ugly ball game, um, 13 to 10 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, but they're playing a fifth round rookie quarterback in Dorian Thomas Robinson out of UCLA. Um, and if you're, and if you're just looking at like a tail of the tape sort of thing, I would put Russ above him every, in every single category. Um, so I feel that we should win this football game as long as we stick to this script that we've, that we've been able to put out over the last four weeks. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think this is a game we can and should win um, with how we've been playing lately. And, you know, Russ, he, he wasn't great this game. He hasn't really had a ton of great games this year, but he, he did enough to win. He was 27 of 35 for 259 yards and a touchdown. And we saw him get out of the pocket. We saw some vintage rust moments. And that last drive, when we needed him the most, he was hot. He, he was on it. He was finding Samaj Piran on the check down. He made a lot of great reads. And he was able to buy himself some extra time by kind of getting out of the pocket. I think that's what really scares me is our offensive line is still not good. Garrett Bowles is a liability out there again, in my eyes. And, you know, we're facing Miles Garrett. And if you don't think that they're going to be scheming to get line him up over Bowles, you're wrong. So right. Russ is going to have to keep that mobility going. But, you know, who knows? Maybe the, the Browns did just sign Joe Flacco. So maybe maybe he makes a triumphant return to Denver. God, yeah. Joe Flacco's terrible. Talk about like he should he just be a statue back there, man. I feel like our pass rush would just eat him alive. Oh, I would love if they trotted out Joe Flacco. I would love. (laughs) You imagine? It would be so great. Rain down the booze that are going to get rained down on him at the mile high would be insane. Um, but uh, ultimately, I mean, I feel like the reason that we won this game um was Sean Payton's coaching had a lot to do with this where he decided to take points in this one, as opposed to really risking anything, uh, which I don't fault, I don't fault any, any of them for, I mean, we scored five field goals and, you know, it was fifth. We had 15 points. I mean, okay. What needs to happen though is, is that when we do have those turnovers and we do have uh, the momentum on our side is we need to go and score six. This game should not have been as close as it was. No, I mean, look at our look at our field goal distances, right? 31, 31 yards on the first one, 31 yards on the second one, 52 at the end of half or at the end of the first half. So that one really, we are in red zone. Then 37, 28. Like, right. Pretty, that, pretty that's all close. red zone points. That's yeah. red zone offense that we got to get nailed down. And um, I think, you know, as we continue to fight to establish a running game, 
that could alleviate some of that mm-hmm. because our running game just wasn't working. Um, we only rushed for 46 yards. We tried a lot. We had 15 carries. That's not bad, but it kind of deviated from that plan that's been working mm-hmm. where, you know, we, we were able to run the ball and establish it and dominate the time of possession. We did not win the time of possession this week. Um, but we also only ran what 42 offensive plays to their 56. Right. We had a lot of that changes outs. things. Yeah. That changes things. So, you know, credit to Will Lutz. I still don't know if he's the guy moving forward, but he made all of his kicks this week. Thank God. Cause I think there would have been a little mob of Broncos fans waiting by his car. If he didn't, <laughs> but he, he did his job and, you know, Cortland Sutton and Russ is becoming a very, very fun connection to watch. It is. And that's what, that's, what's interesting though, is that like, when you look at Russ's old tape of the time that he was in Seattle, I feel like he always kind of just knew where Tyler Lockett was going to be if a play was breaking down. And I'm wondering um, if he and Cortland are starting to get a, that red a tet a little bit where they're, where they're going to know where each other wants them to be, because it feels like when, when a play is breaking down that Russ is able to find Cortland somewhere. I mean, there was one that Russ out overthrew him, but like he was, he was still, the play could have been made. Um, the touchdown, a perfect example. Um, the touchdown last, uh, Monday night in, in Buffalo. I mean, Russ was scrambling for his life out there and it had a 3.1% chance probability on those AWS stats. Like that's the lowest passing completion in the next gen stats era. Um, that's ever happened. So like, I, I think they might be finding a little bit of a rhythm here right when you need them to. Which is great to see. Um, you know, when you look at you, you brought up Tyler Lockett from his time in Seattle. You you would have thought it would have been Jerry Judy here, um, kind of a similar profile of receiver. You know, smaller, speedier, crisp routes. It, it's turned into Cortland, his big wide receiver that can go up and get it, and it, it's a really great thing to see. Um, I think that that also on that last drive. He, he tried to spread it around to a certain extent where you had him targeting Samaje and Cortland primarily, but I, I remember one that he threw to little Jordan Humphrey and dude, go up with two hands. Don't try to make the OBJ. You're not OBJ. You're little Jordan Humphrey. <laughs> like let, let's pump the brakes, but you know, Russell. Well, and then, and then he tried to put the ball in Jerry Judy's hands and Jerry Judy, they had that huge defensive pass mm-hmm. against or defensive pass interference, excuse me, <laughs> uh, call that, that gave us an extra 15 and got us, you know, that much closer. Yeah. And that was a veteran play by, by Russ. He recognized the matchup and he put it in a place that it was either going to be complete and complete or a DPI. Um, there was no move for the defender to make to pick that ball off. So you're starting to see why we went out and got Russ. And that's something that's been, really, really nice to see is that Sean Payton has kind of to a certain extent revitalized Russ this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. He has. I mean, you look at the statistics from last year, Russ has already, he's thrown more touchdown passes than he did all of last season. Granted, he was injured a little bit at the end of the year last year, um, but still. I and mean, it was Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, yeah, that. Don't don't get me started, but um, but through these ten games that they played, I mean he he's he's uh, got an over a hundred percent passer rating um, for the season, and that's winning football. When a court when a quarterback is able to have that kind of success, you're you're able to win football games. Um, but again, it's because they have been able to establish the ground game. They have been able to make the big plays down the field when they need to, but. I just, I personally, I feel that this offense, it just needs to keep getting better and better because you're not, you're not going to be able to beat uh, the Los Angeles Chargers by scoring 21 points. Or the Detroit Lions or at this rate, my God, the Houston Texans, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. So, you know, one other thing, one other thing on this game real quick, while we won the game, we did come out with a loss that we saw today. Yeah, Kareem Jackson once again. again. Yep, and his impact and, is 
not to be understated. Within the first three plays of that game, I was already texting, KJ's back, baby. He was laying wood out there. Yeah, too bad he used the crown of his helmet. Right. Like, dude, you're in your first game back from suspension for this. And we disagreed with the first one. Mm -hmm. And there's an argument to be made on this one of Dobbs wasn't technically the quarterback, so can he really be defenseless? Because he was lined up at a running back position. Hawkinson was under center, and it was kind of that fake tush-push play call. And he came in, he lowered the boom, but man, just keep your head up. Yeah. Like you're, you're under a microscope. He's got, yeah, he's got to know better than that, especially when it's his first game back off of the suspension, that the eyes are going to be on him. I'm surprised it didn't get flagged in the moment, but it, but it makes sense looking at the play again and, and hearing the news that came down from the league. Um, He's obviously going to appeal this one, but I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be able to get the appeal again because he already, already happened this season. Yeah, I think if this was his first incident this season, it's a little bit different, and we could probably get it down to two, just like the first one. But it's your second one, man. It's your yeah. second one in the matter of, what, four weeks, five weeks? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, you're you're going to get sussed, and mm-hmm. this one's probably going to stick. And that hurts this team. Because he is a playmaker. He is an impactful player on that defense. But if not for anything, if not for anything, it makes the receivers uh, have uh, like T-Rex arms a little bit because they know he's out there. They know he's looking to lay the wood. Right. I I just want him to be smarter because right now, as we're, as we're fighting for playoff positioning, like we, we need our highest level guys out there. We need our starters out there. Yeah. And he decided to go on ahead and uh you know make a make a hit that was I would consider questionable to a certain extent. And with his history right now, they're going to call it and he's mm-hmm. getting a call as he should. The the other bummer about it is too is that PJ Locke uh, who was out for this game is still rehabbing his injury. So we don't, I don't believe he's going to be ready for this Sunday, maybe the week after that. So we have um, Turner yell back there. Uh, who's technically the third string safety, uh, the third string uh, strong safety. Um, and I mean, he's a, it's a special teams guy when you, when you really are looking at it, like that's when he's gotten the most amount of playing time. And so it makes me super nervous, not necessarily for this Browns game, uh, Mm -hmm. but, but moving forward uh, that, you know, we're not going to have not, not, not to say that he can't make a make plays, but just like that, that enforcer kind of thing out there. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's levels, right? There's a reason that, Guys are first string. There's a reason guys are second string. And there's a reason the guys are third string, primarily special teams guys. You know, there's, there's a hierarchy in the NFL. There's, there's a skill difference and there's a level of difference there. So it it hurts that we're going to a guy that basically has been a special teamer all year to now slot in and start at our strong safety position. Mm Mm-hmm. We'll see how we'll see how it impacts them. Uh, like I said, I'm hoping that PJ Locke comes back. So I do think that that is a bit of an improvement, but we'll we'll definitely see what happens. So let's move on to not as good of a week that our other team had, or definitely, I mean, this was a disaster, man. Um, our Colorado Buffaloes got their. Uh, how do I want to say this? They got they got spanked. They got spanked and uh sent home in Pullman by the Washington State Cougars losing 56 to 14. Um it just looked like from the beginning of this game that we didn't really want to be a part of it had won anything to do with playing this football team. Yeah. Um we came out flat. We came out ill prepared and 
it, it just looked like we were ready to be miserable up in the Palouse. And credit to Wazoo, they came ready. They they were ready to beat us and fight for their bowl eligibility in their season. And they won that game. And they won it handily. Um, now, word has been kind of trickling out that there was an illness making its way through the CU locker room, not to make excuses. We got our asses kicked, but there's a reason. That's the reason why Trevor Woods supposedly didn't play was he was sick. Coach prime was under the weather. Actually, he was a quasi game time decision, which is funny to say about a coach, but he was a game time decision and you could tell he was not right on the sideline. I don't know if he was sick from the performance of the team or if he (laughs) was sick from something else, but there, there is that rumbling out there, but man, um, Wazoo came out and beat the shit out of us. Like that, that wasn't a ball game from an opening kick. We weren't even. Yeah, I mean, I hope it was something like an illness because it it just looked like we had no fight out there at all from <laughs> from kickoff. Um, there was one player that showed any sort of fight all game, and that was twelve. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would agree. I mean, he again, played both sides of the ball. It, it, it might be easy to say that because it's like, Oh, he's just out there. He's fighting. He's doing everything that he can, but he, he really was, he was the highlight of this football game. Um, something that Dion said after, after this performance is because, because we keep talking about this and, and so, not to say that like, you know, people are listening to us, but like other people are catching on to it too. It's like, this is still a massive improvement on what the program was at the beginning of the, or at the end of last year, heading into this season. But it's disappointing to Dion because of his expectations that he had for this football team. He said, we're falling short of what we're capable of. And that's a part of this. That's tough to digest. We've got high expectations here. So this is tremendously disappointing. So he He's aware of the poor performance that got put out there on Saturday. And do you think that it would be a smart decision for him to bench some of the starters for the Utah game so that we have them all healthy and ready to go heading into the 2024-2025 season? I'm not sure it would be good for that purpose. I think it would be better for making a statement of if you are not, he he's said it multiple times. The standard is the standard. If you're not living up to said standard, you're going to ride the pine. I I think that that is something to explore, right? Um, you know, you look at it, there are some guys and some great individual performances that we can point to this year, whether that's, you know, Xavier Weaver all season has been a dog. He's been a beast. Uh, Travis Hunter has been a true joy to watch as a football fan, let alone a Colorado Buffaloes fan, because what, what this kid does is just special. Um, it, Shiloh, he he plays with heart. Trevor Woods plays with heart. Uh, Cormani's gotten better, so I'd like to see more of him. I would like him out there against Utah. But, you know, do you maybe take it? Do you maybe have Jimmy Horn take a seat and throw Morion out there as the starter? Morion Miller. Do you maybe have, you know, Dylan Edwards take a seat and run Hank out there, run Savion out there? Because those two guys, they're they're running harder. And that's not to doubt Dylan Edwards' heart or his passion for the game, because I think he does have a lot of heart, but he's not the kind of back we need right now. Um, I, I think you can have that conversation to send a message to the locker room and send a message to the team. I, I'd be sitting half of the offensive line, not that it really matters because we have zero depth back there on on either line. Mm-hmm. But they, I mean, we, we finally saw it catch up with Shador too, all the hits he's taken. And we see this with quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks in the NFL when they are drafted high, they go to a bad team that's just not set up for their success and they start getting gun shy and suddenly it could ruin their entire career. I think of Sam Darnold as a prime example of that or um, what was it? Derek Carr, David Carr, David Carr for the Houston Texans, you know, where they started getting really gun shy and they got happy feet in the pocket and 
I, I think we saw that with Shador a little bit early on in this game before he got hurt. I, I don't want to ruin Shador at this point. So yeah. I'm I'm looking at starting Ryan Saab this week just to get Shador right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and he, Dion had said after the game that Shador was having some numbness in his hand. Like, that's not good. <laughs> like, no. that's that's something in his neck. That's something in his back. Like, that's definitely not something that you want to hear, uh, especially for your son. I mean, you definitely, I'm sure, like, Dion obviously cares about all of these kids, but, like, that's definitely not something that you want to hear. But uh, going to what you said about the offensive line, uh, not having any depth back there, I mean, that's where, that's where this game really got away from us was early where – on our second possession, uh, Shador got sacked. It was a strip sack. Cougs picked it up and went and scored, you know, right off of the touchdown there. And that, that was when I noticed, I was like, Oh boy, like we might be in for a long night here. Um, but then we had a, uh, that 45 yard touchdown from Shador to Travis, uh, that put us within one score. And I was like, okay, maybe I was wrong. And then we had, and then it was the 98 yard kickoff return for a touchdown immediately after that followed that. And I said, Which, we are in for a long night. <laughs> how in the hell does Colorado not have someone that can consistently kick it out of the back of the end zone on a kickoff? You would think Here that we are talking about come, kickers again. I know. But you would think that kickers would want to come kick at altitude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, their they're, they're length, their like long make goes up, they're having an easier time on kicking it out of the back of the end zone. That's going to get you more looks from the NFL. You think that these top rated guys, and we had one last year in Cole Becker who transferred out, went to Utah because we brought in Alejandro Mata. Um, I have differing thoughts on that. And, you know, in one side of my head, it's like the kid didn't want to compete. Good riddance. We needed guys that wanted to compete and fight and win their job and show they're the best. But on the other side, it's like, what? Alondra Mata is not, he's not a D1 kicker. He's not. Like, he just doesn't have the leg for it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some people just have more talent than others. It's It sucks. It's a fact of life. But, man, we we when you have, what's that old adage of, like, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback? Yeah. Guess what? If you if you have three kickers, you don't have a kicker. Right. Like right. we've been alternating with Feely, Palazio, and Mata all all year long, and it clearly has not worked. Mm-mm. We thought Mata was going to end up being the guy after Feely missed a couple or, or ones early in the season. Um and Mata I think just kind of got lucky in that he, we were pretty close field goals. I mean, I'm pretty sure they were all 40 or less that he was making. So it was like, all right, this guy's automatic. You know, we, you were saying like Mata don't miss. Um, But then once we had the score from further out, we're getting, you know, 40 plus yards on these field goals. He just doesn't have the leg to get there. Which is a problem because look how many close games have we been in this year where, you know, maybe if we're not going for it, where it would be a 42 or a 45 yard field goal, does that change it? Does that change yeah. the outcome of the game where we have trust in our kicker to to go on ahead and knock it through the uprights from that distance? It, it might. This is obviously revisionist history, and we're sitting here just spitballing into the world. But how different does this season look? I mean, we've talked about it. Like this is there's only two games that have been blowouts on the wrong side for us. There's been one that was a blowout in our favor, and then the rest have been pretty dang close. So yeah. it, it's a frustrating what if from this season. We're we're getting better though. Like we can sit here and be frustrated as we should because there is a expectations were elevated but we're better I mean we've got a Mm -hmm. 3,000 plus yard passer and we have a receiver that's closing in on a thousand yards in Zay Weaver Um, Zay Weaver only needs 92 yards against Utah easier said than done but he only needs 92 to be a thousand yard receiver for the Colorado Buffaloes this year that's that's not light numbers so no not at all you know, it's it's hard to see, particularly 
coming into the season, you and I both thought the running game would be a strength. And we ranked dead last in the NCAA yeah. in that. And running the ball is about wanting to run the ball. Yeah. that That's one of those few things that is hard. Yeah, it's hard and a commitment to it. We haven't done that at all. So that, yeah. I mean, they like on all the news uh, posits, they were talking about how this was like, this was the largest loss in the prime era in Colorado. It's like, it's been one season. This isn't even an era yet. We're not even done this first season. Yeah. Like this, like, how could you call it an era? Like this is the this is the worst loss of this season for the Colorado Buffaloes. Leave it at that. Utah could Prime's be worse. To, we don't know. Right, right. Prime's going to be here longer than this one season. Like, can we please talk about this season as an individual, um, as an individual piece? Did we improve from last year? Yes. Are we bowl eligible? No. Did we allow the were or did we allow the most sacks in all of FBS? Yes. Is our rushing team horrible? Yes. Guess what? That at the very least leaves Dion with the a game plan moving forward on who to go recruit, who's going to be entering the transfer portal, who can I get here to come in and play and improve my team in all those aspects. Because the complementary pieces are there. The skill position players are there. We know that. So now find the dogs that are going to come in and make an immediate impact. Exactly. Like we know what needs to happen now, Right. We understand where our shortcomings are as a program. We can fix those now. We have an opportunity to get out and go get guys that can go make that difference. Because right now, this was going into this year, it was all a grand experiment. Mm -hmm. And some things have worked. Our skill positions, like you said, have worked. And were there guys that left this program that could have been contributors? Yeah. There, there were not at the skill positions. I mean, Xavier Weaver has like 35 yards less than all the receivers that transferred out combined. Right. So our skill positions were, were fine. But on the Lions, like I look back and I see Casey Roddick, who's starting at Florida State. He would have been contributing. I see, you know, Austin Johnson, who's out at Purdue, contributing, starting on their line. He would have done something. We we lost some guys that would have been starting on our offensive line, in theory, that we probably pushed out a couple of them. Probably shouldn't have. But you you live and you learn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't fault Coach Prime for coming in and clearing those out because there was a bad culture in that locker room. There was a culture of losing is okay. And... Mm-hmm that's not going to get you over that hump. So you brought in these guys, you took a chance and did a lot of them hit. Yes. You look at Travis Hunter, you look at Zay Weaver, you look at Jimmy Horn, you look at Dylan Edwards, Shador, obviously those are hits in the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. Did some of them miss? Yes. And you look at that, that's going to be on your offensive line, whether that's, you know, Jack Bailey or Savion uh, Williams at our starting right tackle or, you know, got either of our guard spots. I which I guess Jack Bailey and Landon BB. Like, yeah, you missed. And you missed on some coaching hires too. You, you yeah. did. And that's going to happen. It happened with Bill McCartney back when he took over at CU. He There was, I think, two coaches on McCartney's 90 championship team, like on that staff, that were there with him when he took over the program. Right. It happens. Mm-hmm. Saban, his first year at Alabama, He lost to University of Louisiana Lafayette. He does not have any coaches that have been on that staff with him. Like, and that's Nick Saban. I'm not saying Coach Prime is the next Saban, because let's be real, Saban's a once in a lifetime kind of coach. He's he's the best of all time. He's the greatest coach of all time. But you go on and you figure it out as you go, just as you do with everything in life. Like we, you and I have made missteps in careers and 
schooling and everything, but you grow as a person and you grow to learn to not make those same mistakes again. It's no different for coach prime. Yeah, it isn't. So let's all take a beat. You know, Sean Lewis isn't going to be the offensive coordinator next year. And I swear to God, if Pat Shermer is, I'm going to fucking scream (laughs) because Lewis was infinitely better than Pat Shermer. I think this, this whole experiment of demoting him mid season has shown that, but it's okay. We're figuring it out. And I would rather have, I would rather have coach prime at the helm and figure this out with him. than Matt rule at Nebraska as a good example. Right. Like Matt rule has, has lost many games that he should have won. And at least we have a quarterback and at least we know that our staff can evaluate some talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's going to be really it's going to be really exciting off season. I think for the Colorado Buffaloes, maybe not as exciting as this past off season was, um, but it is going to be it's going to be interesting. It's going to to see how this program uh, evolves again. Like I'm t- I've just been talking about evolution as we're as we're going on here. Um, but that's right the theme on, of this man. podcast. It, it really is. Let's uh, let's move a little bit uh, to stay on the subject of college football, but let's talk about these college football rankings, which will be coming out uh, today. So the day that our uh, episode airs, um, where, do, where do you see because of what happened this week in college football? I mean, obviously, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, they're not moving. They're going to be one, two and three. But I did want to mention because I think we uh, we got we hadn't talked about this last week, but two weeks ago, Ohio State was ranked number one ahead of Georgia. Uh, thank God they have it right now. Um, I just Ohio State's going to remain there until they lose. Um, so, but what do you think happens this week? A lot of uh, a lot of interesting things happen, um, and I'm, I'm I think you're going to pick up on what I'm putting down here. Yeah. Um, let me run it from the top, though. I, okay. Georgia stands pat. Georgia yeah. is heads and shoulders the best college football team yet again. Um, Carson Beck at quarterback has been rock solid. They have the best tight end in college football. Uh, paging Denver Broncos, paging Sean Payton. Yeah. Go, go get, get Brock Bowers. Bowers. Please. This kid's a absolute weapon and he should be available around our draft position. Please go get him. They stand pat. Um, Ohio State, I don't think they're the second best team in the country. They're going to stay it too, as they should. Um, Michigan, they struggled. They struggled against Maryland. I personally would drop Michigan to four. But they're going to stay. They're going to stay. And then what I think you were getting at is Florida State with with a win over a very bad North Alabama team loses Jordan Travis for yeah. the year. Meanwhile, Washington. Program, oh, awful for the program. And glad to – I know Jordan Travis had already tweeted and he's put out a statement, so I'm glad that he's Okay. Um, he won't play football again this year, sadly. But you got Washington, the Washington Huskies, roll into Core Vegas, beat the Oregon State Beavers twenty-two to twenty, a top fifteen Oregon State program. I think Washington finally, finally gets in to the college football playoff. Yeah, they the had they had they had Oregon State at eleventh heading into this weekend. So tight ball game, yes, but ranked ball team, very good on the road. On the road, you got it. You got to give it to Washington over Florida State. You absolutely have to. I I, I agree that they're not going to move the top three, but you have to move Washington here now. I would even say yeah. even if even if Jordan Travis wasn't going to be out for the remainder of the year. The way that they struggled against North Alabama, Washington still would have moved ahead because I mean that's a tremendous win. win. Yeah, that is a win that if I'm on the committee, I'm sitting there like, okay, yeah, Florida State beat the hell out of 
North Alabama, who is three and eight this year. Yeah. But it's North Alabama. And they were at home and it, it's just not an impressive win. You you did what you're supposed to. That that's great. Yeah. And that plays a role as you beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. But Washington rolling into Corvallis on a Saturday night, all the pressure in the world on them, and coming out with a 22-20 to victory, you got to take that into account. That's a Power 5 matchup. That's a Top 15 matchup. I, I don't see how you can leave the Huskies out of the college football playoff this week. It would be It would be a travesty of the highest order. It, it would be, and... You know, Florida State still belongs at five. I, I, I think they should be at five. I mean, they're um, undefeated. because Yeah, they're an undefeated ball club, and you look at six, they're not. It, it's the Oregon Ducks, who, granted, beat ASU. ASU's really bad. Like, Buffs beat <laughs> ASU, too. So, you know, leave Florida State at five, but when you're talking undefeated versus undefeated, and who do you think wins a head-to-head matchup? I'm taking the Washington Huskies, even if they still had Jordan Travis on the Florida State sideline and under center. I'm still taking the Huskies because I think they are a better ball club. Yeah. They've played a tougher schedule. They've they've won bigger games. I I don't know how you don't place the Huskies in there, especially with a weak ACC where you've got Clemson on a very down year. You've got Duke as the probably the second best team in the ACC. Miami, Mario Cristobal, Mario Cristobal again and blew a game to Louisville that he shouldn't have. Like, who in the ACC can compare to the Oregon State Beavers or the Oregon Ducks or, (laughs) I mean, honestly, even like UCLA? There there really isn't anybody. You got to move them in. You got to move them in. You got to move them in. And the only... There, I mean, there isn't even an argument that, like, if you look, if you go past Oregon, so you're looking at Texas, Alabama, uh, for some reason, Missouri, um, you know, Louisville is, is a one-loss team. I still don't, none of these teams have earned it the way that the Washington Huskies have based on, based on the schedule that they play. No, I mean, keep in mind, I think Louisville's pretenders, I don't care that they're ranked 10th, they were dogs to a 6 and four at the time Miami team yeah they were underdogs as a top 10 program if you're a top 10 program like you shouldn't be underdogs to an unranked opponent that has four losses right you shouldn't be and they beat and like, they beat them by a touchdown it wasn't like it was a one score or one point game it was it was a full touchdown no. but it took them until the fourth quarter they were trailing then they were trailing for the vast majority of that game it took them that long to actually put Miami away. And Mario Cristobal is a terrible game day coach. <laughs> so I, I don't know what you're thinking. I think Texas needs to drop as well. I mean, they struggled against a very mediocre Iowa State team. Um, they only won 26-16 on the road. No, Meanwhile, just, Alabama beat the shit at, out of a no-name school. Yeah, you look at the rest of them that they have ranked here, and a lot of them are three. And I mean, some should drop off. There, there's going to be a school that I think gets in there that nobody's really talking about in Liberty. Liberty's eleven and zero as well. Um, but there's a lot of three loss teams that are kind of at the top here. Um, and like this, this committee's super high on LSU and U of A, who are both three loss teams, but. I don't know, man. You just you look past it and Well the one I don't get is Notre Dame. How in the hell is Notre Dame ranked in the top twenty five right now? Like Arizona Arizona I can get. Like the losses that they had were all really, really close and to good opponents. They they went on ahead and just beat the hell beat the brakes off Utah who was twenty second. Like, I, I can get that. I don't understand the Iowa love. Their defense is amazing, but their offense is literally the worst offense I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> you, you had North Carolina lose to Clemson. Uh, once again, a down year for Clemson. 
Um, K-State, I guess you can kind of justify they're, they're one of the better teams and they're towards the bottom. So I get it. Same with Oklahoma State. But like Oklahoma, really, they, they were struggling against BYU. Yeah. They were struggling against the Mormons and the Mormons ain't making a bowl. Yeah. Well, and we'll preview who all these teams are playing in the final week of the regular season, but I just, yeah, they've got they've got to move Washington State in there today. Uh, it, quick update from, from Monday. Quick update from Monday Night Football. It does look like the Philadelphia Eagles are going to help out the Denver Broncos and beat the Kansas City Chiefs twenty-one to seventeen. No way! Big dub, big dub for the Eagles. Eagles, I think it's their year. I think it's their year. Um, they're a really good ball club again. And Jalen Hurts, I just love Jalen Hurts. It's so, a it's a good story. I mean, his story is a very very good one. Especially you know, every I mean, everybody knows it. Everybody that's a college football plant or a fan knows his story. Getting benched in favor of Tua Tagovailoa, transferring out of Alabama, and and was actually was a great mentor to Tua during that season. Um, unbelievable teammate. Unbelievable yeah. teammate. Yeah, and then he, he's a great um, player, a great person. And then obviously transferring to Oklahoma. Um, having a phenomenal season there and then getting drafted in the second round. Yep. Um, real quick, I just want to do some rundowns on college football outside of the top 10. Um, UCLA, USC, the battle for LA. Yeah. The UCLA Bruins, Chip Kelly may have just saved his job beating Lincoln Riley 38 to 20. What happened to this? What USC is team? going on? I mean, did we break them? Are, are we like <laughs> that team this year that like just because like UCLA they came out and beat us the next week they lose a game they shouldn't have dropped. You know Stanford they come out and beat us the next week they lose a game that was a winnable ball game for them. Arizona State we we go out we beat them but then they come out and rattle off a couple wins that we never saw coming. Mm-hmm. Oregon State goes out and loses the week after beating us. Are, are we that team this year? Could it could be? We might I be. Mean, th- with all that early season hype, we maybe were because these kids got up to play Colorado because of all the all the hype. They wanted to show out and be like, "Oh, these guys aren't that good." Um, so they were given one hundred and ten percent out there. Yeah, we were the Super Bowl, but. There are some major issues in Pasadena. Um, I'm really curious to see if Lincoln Riley is still on those sidelines next year. I think he jumps to an NFL job. Um, Caleb Williams, I'm starting to question because after this game, he refused to do media, which can't do that in the NFL, kid. Nope. You, you got to take your lumps. So I, I'm questioning that. Um, Stanford Cal, the big game. I'm also um, sorry. I'm also curious if Caleb Williams um, doesn't say he's injured and not play the final uh, regular season game here, so that he just so that he can go into the NFL draft healthy. Yeah, if I'm Caleb not Williams, I'm just shutting it down. I'm shutting it down. Like, I think I would. I think why not? Their bowl game's not going to matter. You can't be. You're not going to be a four loss team and be in any significant bowl game. No. He's going to play in, like, the Cheez-It Bowl. And what good does that do if he's going up against, like, I don't know, fucking New Mexico or something, like some right. shitty Mountain West team? What what good does that do for Caleb Williams? So if I'm him, I'm, I'm shutting it down. Let's just call it a year, call it, call it a career in college, right off into the sunset and be done. Be done with Lincoln yeah. Riley. Be done with that offensive line that they paid an ungodly amount of money for the camp block. Like just be done with it and yeah. call it a day. Way to go be Lincoln. Chicago. You wasted. Go be the Chicago bears. Go yeah. On. So go be, go be a Chicago bear. Like you're going to get drafted first overall. So, or he might be, or he might be a giant or giant or giants bear. won. giants won yesterday. They did win. They did win. So who knows? Um, but Cal beat Stanford in the big game. That's obviously a huge rivalry for the Bay Area. Um, yeah, 
I, I really don't have much to say on that. That's two not great teams in the Pac-12. So we'll move on. Um, looking at the overrated Big Ten, Iowa won 15-13 against Illinois. Another under hits. You see that they're about to break another. <laughs> yeah, over the Iowa Nebraska. The, no, it's like yeah. set at 26 and a half right now for the final week of the season. And I Another think that under is going to hit. I think that under is going to hit is the sad part. Any sicko that's betting the over, I'm looking at you, Shalom Sharp. Like, <laughs> just don't. Just don't. It's so bad. Nebraska doesn't have a quarterback. They're, they're that example I talked about. It's like our kickers, except it's worse because it's the position that you have to touch the ball every, t- every single play. Yeah. Jeff Sims is terrible. As we saw, he handed the Buffs a win, and we took it and ran. Um, their next one was Harburg, and he's trash. He's like a he, – he is Walmart brand Tim Tebow. Like, just can't throw the ball. He's more of a running back out there. And then they have Chubba Purdy, who's Brock Purdy's little brother, and he's fucking garbage. Um, Nebraska in the weakest possible schedule. They are five and six right now, and they're somehow I, I would bet a lot of money on this. They're somehow not going to qualify for a bowl after having like, I, I I'm telling you this: if the Buffs played their schedule this year, the Buffs probably win eight eight or nine games. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean it's that bad. Even with how we've seen this season play out with our terrible offensive line, like. They played a very middling Purdue team. They played a Northwestern team that fired their coach like three weeks before the season. They played Illinois, who's really bad. They played Michigan State, who fired their coach for having for jerking off on the phone in the middle of their year. And they're somehow still not going to qualify for a bowl. It is flabbergasting to me, and I fucking love it because I hate everything about Nebraska. This is so funny. It is so funny to me that they and they had three shots. They got to five wins two weeks ago, and they're still not going to make a bowl game. It is amazing. Good job, Matt Rule. You can't evaluate talent. And if we had, if we thought we had issues at the offensive coordinator position, go look at the Nebraska Cornhuskers. It is so bad. I mean, the Big Ten West. You know how earlier in the year you and I talked about how Iowa's offensive coordinator had like a point minimum that he had to hit per game to keep his job. Mm. No one in the, there is not a single team in the big 10 West, which is Nebraska's part of the conference. There is not a single team that the offensive coordinator would hit that number. And it was something only like 25 points a game. Jeez, please. They, that is how bad that division is. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, good job, Nebraska. Um, God, you guys are terrible. And then the only other one I wanted to touch on was uh, Fort Fun School up north. Um, so Colorado State, they have once again a joke of a schedule coming in because they play in the Mountain West. Um, they will likely be qualifying for bowl eligibility this week. I would have to imagine they go to the island and play Hawaii. Um, yeah, they're 5-6. and six. They beat a very bad Nevada team. Uh, quarterback by a former C buff, Brandon Lewis. We know how he is. That's why he's a former quarterback for the University of Colorado. Um, they won 30 to 20 in front of like dozens of fans up at Fort Fun. Um, and I mean dozens. It was pathetic. And they're loving to chirp us for God knows what reason. Maybe because we're their only semblance of relevancy in the college football landscape. But uh, hey, guys. Good for you. You you might qualify for some shitty bowl game and go get waxed like you have by every Pac-12 team that's ever played you. So, good job. Um, Wyoming just beat Hawaii 42-9, as a side note, keeping it regional. Well, and, and Wyoming, I mean, they, they were already bowl eligible, so it's going to be interesting to see what bowl they do get picked for because I'm going to be rooting for them no matter who they play. Um, you know, definitely yeah. super fun to watch. Um, the one game coming up this weekend that I want folks to start thinking about and I want them to put into the into the ether is, is Ohio State Buckeyes taking on the Michigan Wolverines. 
on Saturday. <laughs> this is going to be a fun one. It's going to be an absolutely incredible ball game. But what happens? Both of these teams are, we've talked about it, ranked second and third in the college football playoff rankings. If Michigan beats the shit out of Ohio State and, and Ohio State becomes a one-loss team, do they fall out of the top four? Or the other way around, if Ohio State kicks the shit out of Michigan, does Michigan fall out of the top four? And if Jordan Travis any... didn't get hurt? Yeah. If Jordan Travis doesn't get hurt, I say yes. Committee's I think so that. too. I think so too. They're definitely going to weigh that. They absolutely will. Here's what I'm saying though, is Oregon, the team that they lost to was Washington. So does Oregon, if, if they win this weekend and if, I guess we'll have to see how the championship games go too. But yeah, if, or but if Oregon wins this weekend against Oregon state, and Washington takes care of business against Washington State, do both of those teams make it into the top four because of this Ohio State-Michigan game? I would say they should, but you just touched on it. We have to see how conference championship games play out, right? The Pac-12 in their final year went to, it's just the top two teams, whoever it is. It doesn't matter whether we're both in the North, both in the South, mix of the two. What we are trending towards is Washington versus Oregon rematch for the Pac-12 championship. And the Big Ten runs it where it's East versus West. So you're going to have the winner of Ohio State versus Michigan playing the Iowa Hawkeyes most likely yeah, in the Big Ten championship and beating a very middle-of-the-road Iowa Hawkeyes team. That That should be a dub for either of those teams. Should be. Not a guarantee, but should be. Whereas, you know, if the Pac-12 championship comes down to that rematch of Oregon-Washington, that could lead to a two-loss Oregon team. Granted, both would be against the Washington Huskies, with the first loss being on the road in Seattle in a very close fall game. Or does the Pac-12 Pac-12 and cannibalize itself, where suddenly you've got a one-loss Washington and a one-loss Pac-12 champion in Oregon, both vying for that spot and, and what does the committee them, do and neither of them make it because they're biased which would be the most which would be the most pac 12 shit ever right then somehow alabama just sneaks right on in right like alabama yeah. vaults from eighth to fourth right so, so it, or, or they let texas in which if if that does happen then shalom sharp absolutely nailed it and i'll give him his left nut back um well, he's still right on top. We can't. We own that left nut. We <laughs> own we the do. rights to that left nut. <laughs> if the, the Broncos, Broncos are three wins away. away, three more wins, three more wins away. Right on, man. Well, anything else that you wanted to touch on before we sign off for the evening? Um, yeah. In the spirit of talking about Colorado basketball, because those are the two teams that we really need to be like hyped on as much as football was. Uh, the men's basketball team won a game night. Um, against the Richmond Spiders. Uh, this is a game that in years past, we probably would have lost. It was uh, It's a tournament against a mid-major team that's pretty good, not great, in a gym that looks like it's a high school gym and a style of play that they slow the ball down and really, you know, like we talk about with football, they play that time of possession game. In basketball, yeah. they're limiting the possessions that we get. Um, this, is a te- this is a game that we would have lost. Um, we won, um, at this time of the release, it will be what Tuesday. So the buffs will be playing today against Florida state, which is the team that knocked us out of the tournament. That's a huge game. That's a true test to see how good this team is. Um, KJ Simpson, Tristan De Silva, Cody Williams, Eddie Lampkin. This team is fun to watch. Um, they were currently ranked 18th in the country. They're very much so deserving of that ranking. They are a top 25 program in this country, and this is probably Boyle's deepest team ever. Um, D-Train has said it. I will continue to say it. This is a great Boyle team. And then on the women's side, um, they did beat SMU last week. I'm not sure if we picked that up on our coverage or not, but they did go on the road down to Dallas, beat SMU. They're now ranked 
third in the country. So crazy. So awesome right now. It's Buffs basketball, baby. (laughs) I I love some Buffs basketball. So, um, yeah, those two programs are are crushing it. Keep watching because those are two teams that could have deep March runs and give us a genuine reason to be excited and more, a lot more uh, stake behind the sizzle. So to say, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And, and with two, with two coaches that have a long history with the school that are, that are speaking to the importance of, um, of legacy and and what they're leaving behind for the Mm -hmm. university. Especially on, especially with coach Boyle. Um, He's been there. He he came in with you to see you and we're old men now. So we, we got gray <laughs> I hairs. I was just I was just checking out my gray hairs in the camera over here. Oh buddy, if I got any hair on my head in like ten years, which I, I, we're thinning, so we'll flip a coin. <laughs> I would love Shalom Sharp's odds on that if I'm bald in ten years. But uh if I do, I'm gonna be looking like Mitt Romney with the gray on the sides, so it's not gonna be pretty. But no nah, hey, we go on. Yeah, we go on. Fuck it, we ball, as they say. Fuck All it, right, we on ball. everybody. <laughs> Thank you for giving us another listen on Out of Office Bros. We'll be out of office again uh, next Friday. I think we're going to shoot for. If we do not talk to you, hope everybody has a wonderful Thanksgiving. Make sure that you say your blessings, what you what you truly appreciate, what you're thankful for. Tell your families we say hi. Tell us, tell them about us sitting around the dinner table. They may they may like some of our opinions listening to Out of Office Bros. So yeah, we'll be out of office again at some point. But for immediate assistance, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, and anywhere that you get your podcasts. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and please, please, please tell your friends. Best, the Out of Office Bros. Scobuffs, boycott opening day. Happy Thanksgiving!